This podcast is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. We understand many of our listeners may not agree with all of our viewpoints. However, we hope you can bear with us in order to hear unadulterated true crime cases. We are not licensed therapists, nor are we able to give legal advice by any means. Our show notes will provide all of our source material included for each episode. Now Now let's get get weird. Welcome back to another episode of All the Sins Worldwide. This episode means so much to me because it's a crossover. So today I have a special guest and that's Lexi Starr. Yay! Hi, thank you for having me. (laughs) Of course. So she is my co-host on our podcast, Passive Aggressive Income on Spotify and on YouTube, in which we talk about all things passive income So if you have a business mindset like us, you'll love our podcast. Make sure to go and check us out on Spotify or on YouTube or on our socials, uh, Instagram and Facebook. And even if you're not like a business minded type of person, we have tips for just like the average person on how to manage your finances better. So I think that although it tends to be more business mindset, it really is for everybody. Yeah, I totally agree. And if you can tell... I'm a little bit sick, but I'm here. I'm doing it. So that's why I'm a little bit nasally today, but we're going to be powering through. So today I am popping Lexi's true crime cherry. (laughs) She isn't entirely invested in keeping up in true crime like me. However, she is fascinated in great cases, which is why she's on today. Yes, I am both nervous and excited. True crime (laughs) stuff kind of freaks me out a little bit. Um, At least I don't live alone. Right. So I have that going for me for today. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I'm excited to hear more about what's all happening on this podcast and um, see you doing your thing in a whole different light than what I'm used to. Yeah, I'm excited to show you what I got brewing on the other podcast. So I chose not to go, like I mentioned to you before, in a gruesome route. I've covered a lot of really sad and unfortunate cases, and I just figured this is your first one. I'm not going to, you know, just throw you over and see how you do. So I'm going to take it. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I'm going to take it easy on you. So I'm actually going to cover a very interesting international case. So today I'm covering the Russian doomsday cult called the Penza Rakusas, which translates to Heavenly Jerusalem, founded by Peter Kuznetsov. And I'm sorry if I butcher any of the names in this case. It's uh, Russian uh, names. You know, I've practiced, I've tried, but I'm not entirely good with um, these types of names. So bear with me. (laughs) That's totally fair. Russian is not my uh, first language either. (laughs) Right. So my sources are CBS News, NBC News, ABC News, CBC, Wikipedia, and grunge.com. The whole alphabet. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I thought that was pretty funny. Okay. So Peter, 
at the age of 43, divorced and was an engineer, came from a deeply religious family and declared himself a prophet. And if you have any friends or family that is declaring themselves as a prophet, please run in the opposite direction as fast as possible. Just a really huge red flag, like the type that you see, you know, like just planted outside somebody's house, that type of big red flag. It's not a little one that you hold in your hand. It's a giant one. Yeah, prophet is a pretty extreme way to label yourself. Yes, exactly. So he left his family and settled in Nikolsko, Russia. He began writing books, borrowing from a mixture of established beliefs and visited monasteries, both in Russia and Belarus, uh, recruiting followers using the pseudonym Brother Maxim. And Peter established his true Russian Orthodox Church after he split with the official church. He was able to gather a substantial amount of followers. So he was picking up a lot of momentum uh, right off the bat. And side note, this isn't really true crime related. I just found this in my sources. He chose to sleep in a coffin. Didn't explain why. Just threw it out there in the uh, information that I found and I figured that you guys should know that. So yeah, I want more information on yeah. that because that's crazy. Yeah, I know. Who just sleeps in a coffin? Where was the coffin? Was it in a bedroom? How could he get himself in and close it? You know, yeah, like, did he close it at night? I would assume if you're sleeping in a coffin that you're closing it, but who am I? I'm no coffin expert. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. An interesting choice of decor for sure. Right. His followers and himself rebelled against what they believed to be impurities in the church. So let's talk about what their leader preached and what they practiced. So Peter and his followers obviously believed in the afterlife. However, they had a twist. They believed that they would be the ones judging whether others deserved entry into heaven or damnation to hell. Um, So I thought that was a little bit interesting. I haven't really come across Uh, Other cults that believe that they have the right to say, you go to hell, you go to heaven. Additionally, the cult were not allowed to watch television, listen to radio or handle money, which is kind of across the board for cults. You know, you hear that a lot. Mm -hmm. Then once he had convinced them that the end of days was imminent, he blessed them before sending them into a cave for them to live out their remaining days before the world came crashing down oh my gosh (laughs) so let's talk about one of the cult members alexander vabishkevich i did the best i could (laughs) (laughs) so his mother anna was concerned for her 41 year old son alexander who was once a railroad worker so just you know average blue-collar guy, and his wife and two teenage daughters were part of this doomsday cult. Anna said she was sending two relatives from Belarus to try to convince him to at least send the girls home. You know, the children shouldn't have to be subjected to such outlandish theories and ways of life. So she said, you know, you guys are adults. You can do whatever you want. I think that it's in the best interest for the children to grow up in a more stable um, home, stable life environment. So she said, think of the children. 
And when she was being interviewed by the Associated Press, she stated that her son came under Peter's influence several years ago before the bunker came into play. And Alexander stopped eating food packaged with the universal product code, so the barcode on the packaging. And they also didn't believe in using passports or identification numbers of any sorts because the cult uh, regarded it as the mark of the beast, uh, the Antichrist, just fully demonic. Wow. Um, she stated, quote, my son was kind and now he is mentally ill. It's like he is hypnotized, end quote. That's a common thing for people in cults where they just kind of let go of reality entirely. And they just like say things as fact that people like not in the cult, just like hearing that type of thought process is just so outlandish that it's like, like, like they are hypnotized. Like they don't see the connection between like reality and just like how crazy some of their beliefs are. Yeah, I totally agree. And you kind of landed on what I had next and what I wrote. It's an appropriate description of a cult member, in my opinion. And I don't know what it is, especially how fast people get indoctrinated into a whole other lifestyle, a, a whole other way of thinking. It blows my mind. And I'm like, how would I take it if I was recruited into a cult? Would I be like, no, I'm resisting, I'm resisting? Or would I be like, no, I'm all in, I'm balls deep into this cult now? Like, I don't know how I would take it. So yeah, and it's it kind of begs the question, it's like, what are some of the personality traits that make you mm-hmm. more likely to join a cult? And like, I'm kind mm-hmm. of worried about, not like seriously worried, because I don't know that there's a cult like, or a cult in the area that this family num- member of mine lives in. But I'm a little bit worried about a, one of my family members who just believes in these like very odd like spiritual type beliefs Uh and researches a lot of things research I want to put that in quotations like on TikTok and believes in a lot of like conspiracy theories and it just makes me wonder like if a cult was nearby or if they were introduced to someone who was Mm. in a cult like I feel like they would be so susceptible and that's really scary That is scary. Yeah, I think that maybe you did pick up on something and it's something that you should worry about. So if you ever hear her talk about meeting some prophet or um, (laughs) any type of uh, large group that believes in some sort of end of days or anything really that's outlandish, I would right that's when you start waving the big red flag banner. (laughs) Right. Pay extra attention to that person in your life. Yes. So Alexander Dvorkin of the Moscow-based Independent Center of Religious Studies said the followers were in serious danger and any wrong move by authorities could cost lives. Um, So just goes to show like how um, impacted the people were um, in this cult and how under Peter's thumb they were. He stated, quote, their minds are being manipulated. They are under the strong influence of their leader, end quote. And Russian Orthodox Church spokesman, sorry, I had to like really read that because I wanted to say Gregory, but it's Georgery, Revov, stated the emergence of Peter's cult was a consequence of the absence of a system of spiritual and moral education in Russia. 
all Christians of Russia have to pray for them so they awaken and understand their mistake, end quote. So just really, um, really concerned for them. Yeah. Let's talk about the bunker, shall we? Okay, yes. I'm very intrigued to hear about the bunker. (laughs) (laughs) So in November of 2007, some sources say 29, some sources say 30, and others say 35 members of the cult all gathered together in a cave in Russia's Penza region in a snowy forest right by the Volga River near the village of Nikolskoye about 400 miles southeast of Moscow. The people included four children. One of the youngest was one years old and the oldest person was 82. So just from baby to senior citizen. Yeah, generations of people in this cult, in this cave. (laughs) Yes, and most of the adults were women. So as you, I feel like that's pretty common though. Like, you think of uh, the Mason, or I'm sorry, uh, Manson cult, uh, and they were a lot of women, you know, a mm-hmm. lot of really dedicated women to Charles Manson, so. Yeah, and I do think it's sort of like, I don't know, the psychology of like a man growing Mm -hmm. up and feeling powerful and like having things handed to him and he gets this idea in his head that he's Mm -hmm. a prophet and that like all of these women should like be his Mm -hmm. I feel like that's probably a common thing across cults where it's like the man has like multiple women who are like his lovers right his wives his yeah yeah he owns them they're his and yeah that's definitely um very common among cults especially when it's led by men so yes so they had stockpiled food and other supplies you know they wanted to live the remainder of their days in this cave so they had to really prepare themselves for that time until the doomsday would um, occur and the cult members fired guns into the air and threatened to blow themselves up with about 100 gallons of stockpiled gasoline if authorities forced them to come out or if they breached into their cave. So it was really serious. Oh That's super extreme. Exactly. And to me, threats like this shouldn't be taken lightly. If we take a look at our own American cult history, this happened in Waco, Texas, in 1993, the Branch Davidians holed up in a compound and chose to die in it rather than come out to surrender to government officials. So people really take their convictions seriously. They don't, especially in uh, being this uh, brainwashed in a cult, like they will die for what they have chosen to believe in, or maybe even not chosen because, uh, you know, some people are born into cults some people are taken into cults and then it's more of a Stockholm syndrome situation what my point is it is their life and you're playing with their lives and you're playing with everything that their lives are built on so yes they're probably going to die for what they believe in and um it shouldn't be not taken seriously and I think that the what happened in Waco, Texas was horrific and um, not really not talked about enough. Um, yeah, so- I actually recently just heard about it because I think they did like a limited series Netflix 
show. Yeah, I think I heard about that. Yeah, the Waco, Texas. I think it was like three episodes and it was crazy. And I had never heard of that before Mm -hmm. this like came on Netflix. But it really does show that. Yeah, and it's it was such a big part of history that's like not talked about. Right. And just goes to show how dangerous these organizations like a cult if they have access to weapons Mm. like that can be a really really scary situation for the people who live around that area and um, like police enforcement and things like that right and that's why the officials in this case were operating under a lot of precautions so naturally officials showed up and felt conflicted on what to do they knew that direct interference could turn into a bloodbath. However, they knew this was serious. Obviously, they have uh, weapons with them. Uh, they are able to eliminate themselves, and they have children there. They have um, older people that may or may not be able to fend for themselves. So it's a it's a dire situation either way. And officials made sure that they had at least doctors and rescuers nearby to try to aid and coax the cult members to leave. Uh, It wasn't entirely successful. Nobody came out, but they wanted to reassure them that, hey, I know that you are going to be down here. At least allow us to treat anybody that needs treatment. People are here to support you if you need it. And that way that they opened that line of communication saying that we're not the enemy, we are here to uh, aid you in any way, which I thought was smart. Yeah, that's a really good way to go about it, where it's not threatening. And especially if you are aiding individuals, you have Mm -hmm. a better chance of like making a connection with that person rather than the whole group that has this like very strong voice. If you can make a connection Mm -hmm. with someone that you are treating and you're giving them help and showing them that you do care, then I think you probably have a better chance of getting them to like communicate with you and come to some sort of reason. Right. Yeah, good point. So they also made sure to guard the area around the clock to prevent anyone from provoking the group as well, because that was also an issue. And they even got monks to try to negotiate for them to leave the cave bunker. So the black-clad Russian Orthodox monks carefully went down into the gully by using ropes to the bunker to try to make contact with the cult, but they refused to speak with them through a ventilation hole. So the authorities really tried, and it concerned authorities and the monks that they can openly hear children crying out while they went down there to try to communicate with them. So it was just not pleasant to, to witness. During their time in the bunker, the members were communicating with their leader through letters. And they were also communicating with doctors and officials who promised food or medical supplies if needed. So like I mentioned before, they didn't support what they were doing down in the bunker. However, they wanted to make sure that everybody was at least comfortable because uh, like Lexi and I mentioned, there are kids, there are older people down there. Um, that may not be able to fund for themselves as easily as young adults. So they wanted to make sure that they were at least taken care of in the most basic way in all reality. And in true cult leader fashion, Peter was not in the bunker with his followers. So he believed that the world was going to end, but he was not in the bunker, which to me 
offers a huge contradictory in his teachings, in the way that he thought um, his cult was supposed to, I, I don't know, live. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, that's really confusing because then they're not even like communicating with him about his word and like what's going to happen. Like, is he out trying to get more followers or like where, what is his place in this that he's not with his people? Right. I don't know. And I think that once your leader is not there until the very end, then I think that uh, like there's already red flags, but I don't know. I'm throwing a black flags at this point. Like, I don't even know what kind of flags we're throwing, but we're throwing them anyways. So, like I said, of course, he was elsewhere while they were underground to wait for the end of the world, which he thought was going to be happening in the spring of 2008. Obviously, we're still here, so that did not happen. Um, However, Peter did get arrested and was charged with setting up a religious organization associated with violence, and that was happening while the his followers were in the bunker so he was just out living his life so the investigators even asked for uh, Peter to help them which was definitely a shock to me they asked him to convince his followers to leave the cave after he was arrested and surprisingly he agreed and went to the bunker however they did not listen to them and I'm thinking maybe they thought that he was there to test them oh that's a really good point I I think that's the only thing that makes sense to me. So unfortunately, none of them came out uh, after he asked them to after a a long time of officials trying to get them out. And girl, guess how long 14 members stayed in the cave before coming out? I don't even I have no guesses because this (laughs) type of mindset is so insane to me. Right. So six whole months on March 28th, 2008. I can't, I mean, can you imagine living in a, in a cave? Not seeing the sunlight, no fresh air, no access to like fresh food and resources. Right. Exactly. Six months. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. And so this is spring of 2008. So where was this impending doom of, you know, the world ending? I don't know, but I feel like Maybe that's when they realized that it wasn't happening and they were like, okay, I guess I got to get out of here now. Like, what have we done for the, like with our lives for the past six months plus that we've been in this cult in right. this cave and now the world is like clearly not ended. Right. So they came out uh, not because of pressure from the police or sudden realization that the, that living in a cave waiting for the world to end was irrational they came out because melting snow caused part of the cave to collapse. So there you go. That's why. They would have just stayed in there. Right, exactly. Wow. Then on May 16th, 2008, so that is, what, two months later, an additional nine members came out due to toxic fumes from two <gasps> deceased cult member bodies that were decomposing in the cave. Oh, my God. That literally just gave me chills. <laughs> It was getting real down there. Uh, On May 21st, after authorities removed the bodies of the dead, the cave was blown up to prevent another extreme situation. So they're like, we're just eliminating this cave. Nobody's going to go back down there. Like, and I still don't know why there were two dead bodies down there in the first place. Nothing was released and 
I didn't come across anything in my sources where it said it was natural causes, it was accident, or it was, you know, homicide in any way. So I don't know. And yeah, that's I, interesting. It makes me wonder if, like, because there were elderly people there, if they mm-hmm. did just like, you know, they lived in a cave for six months. Those aren't the healthiest conditions. Right, right. So after leaving the cave, a few members left the village completely, except for one family. Several members, I'm sorry, several people moved to a deaf village in Belarus. I don't know why they needed to state that it was a deaf village, but I figured I'd put it in there. And in 2012, Vasily Nedogon, head of the family remaining in Nikolskoy continued to live with his wife and three children without electricity and passports as he still believed and waited that the end of time will come soon. It just goes to show how deep a cult goes. Right. It's like you could have all of the reasons to show that like this isn't legit, this Mm -hmm. isn't real, and you can just believe so strongly that you will completely give your life to those beliefs and the lives of your your children too. Right. And that's what really gets to me is that a lot of the times they bring children into these cults and I'm like, how selfish are you to bring a child into something that could turn into r- really a dark thing? and not give them a chance really to a normal life I mean I don't know like who am I to judge people but I mean if you're seeing that you're all going down into a cave to live I would say no (laughs) no I'm not I'm not cool with this I don't know (laughs) yeah I mean that's just kind of like irrational thinking I mean, it's it's easy for us to say, like, that's insane, right, and I would right, never right. do that, but it's also, like, these people believe this with everything that they have, that they True. would give up their lives and their children's lives to go follow this belief in hopes that they will, you know, reach heaven or whatever it is. Right. Um, but it is sad for the kids because that's their entire reality. They grow up, and that's the only belief that they know. They don't know that the rest of the world exists and is not, Mm -hmm. you know, having these same beliefs in the same way of life. And so it makes me wonder like what the situation is for those kids who were maybe born into it or entered into the cult really young. Like how did that affect their future? Right. Yeah. I I would be super interested in figuring that out too. And I've, I've watched a lot of documentaries where people have left a, a cult because they were in it since they were, you know, a child or, uh, whatever the case was and they were just so fearful of the outside world that Mm -hmm. it almost was like a a more traumatic thing to leave because they they were so they were taught that the outside world was worse than what what they were going through or their current circumstances so why would you leave and they they come out and they're like well it's not (laughs) and that must just be like a shock to them in every which way so yeah I I don't think that we have any room to judge unless we're in a cult ourselves because the logic isn't there so I just wonder what is there for it to all make sense for it to all be everything that you believe in right for sure 
So then on April 3rd, 2008, Peter was rushed to be monitored at a hospital after he attempted suicide by hitting himself in the head with a log when his doomsday prophecy didn't come true. He was officially diagnosed with paranoia and schizophrenia. So unsurprised with those diagnoses um but hitting yourself in the head with a log seems like the most extreme and ineffective way to attempt suicide <laughs> like my ineffective way that. i love that you said that <laughs> truly like of all the methods <laughs> right like did he just look over and looked at a log and lifted it up and just let it fall upon him like what was his thinking yeah, just wow, no words. So I have scoured all over the internet to see if there have been any follow follow up reports on Peter's whereabouts or even his followers, and I have come across zero, which is crazy to me because this isn't this isn't happened like too long ago, like in the seventies mm-hmm. or anything like that. This was right. two thousand eight, so I don't understand how there wasn't any follow-ups or how how they were able to hide themselves so well in a day and age of technology um but the fact that I we don't even know or nothing has been documented or reported on what has been going on with Peter I don't even know if he went to trial or anything like that so that's just crazy to me and in one I actually did say it it actually did state that his whereabouts were unknown. So I I think that that part is a true mystery. This cult has been truly dissolved and that no more deaths would happen from it. So this cult is no longer active. It is not causing any more harm. And that's all that we can hope for. And hopefully we learn from cult behavior. And that's why we, you know, we cover cases just to learn and to spread awareness. So that is the case of the Russian doomsday cult. I hope that you enjoyed it. (laughs) Yeah, that is, I I find cults and just like the whole psychology around it really fascinating. Mm -hmm. Um, Like on my like reading list of books that I plan to read at some point. Um, There's a book called Cultish, and I don't remember who the author is off the top of my head, but it just goes into like the psychology of people getting indoctrinated into cults and like why that happens and how it grows so big and people can just like throw reason out the door. And so I was actually really excited when you said that we were going to be talking about a cult today because I find them extremely fascinating and I appreciate that. You yeah. didn't pick something like super gruesome. You know, I can handle, I can handle this. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was, when I was sat down and I thought about what to present to you, I'm like, she seems like a cult girl. So <laughs> yeah. hopefully uh, when you, when you say that, I seem like a cult girl, not one that would join a cult. But <laughs> no, no, just an, an interest, you know, like you said, the psychology of it, because I did too. When I, when I was younger, I picked up Helter Skelter, the book. And um, I shouldn't have been reading it as as young as I did, but I, you know, I did. And I think that's what really kicked open my uh, morbid curiosities and um, all this true crime fascinations. So here I am. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But thank you so much for being on this podcast with me. I, I had a really awesome time with you. 
And for our listeners, I hope that you go and check out our uh, our podcast, Passive Aggressive Income. We just released an episode on money tips on Monday, which was super interesting. Um, Lexi did a really good job covering a whole bunch of different money tips. And then next week, we're going to be talking about retirement. And we just have a lot of topics that we are passionate about that we're going to be covering. So if you're interested in things like that, make sure to locate us on Spotify and YouTube. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me as a guest on this podcast. It's super fun to work with you in a different capacity and (laughs) and learn about things that are super important and maybe sometimes I tend to avoid but I do like understand the value of like talking about these things and spreading awareness and just honoring the people who have been involved in these types of things and have maybe lost family members or lost their own lives and yeah so I yeah I think it's really important what you're doing and thank you for having me as a guest on this one yeah thanks for saying that and you're always welcome to come back on anytime that you want. (laughs) Yeah, sounds good. I'm sure I'll make another appearance at some point. All the Sins Worldwide was written, recorded, edited, and produced by our co-hosts and creators, Jess and Mims. We truly want to thank our listeners, collaborators, friends, and family that continuously support us and for all the love we receive. If you enjoy our show, please give us a glowing review and rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Also, follow us on Facebook and Instagram to see what we're up to. And email us your sinner tales at allthesinsworldwide at gmail.com. Episodes of All the Sins Worldwide are available wherever you listen to podcasts. So make sure to subscribe and like us on your favorite streaming platform.